Oh, well, we are talking about fundamentals uh, for following this January. Just, just a reminder of, uh, regardless of any field of endeavor, whether you're talking about athletics or, or the arts, uh, whether you're talking about uh, uh, economies or education, that there are fundamentals that you never outgrow, that you never get beyond. That neglect of the fundamentals can can bring disaster uh, for for a team, for a business, uh, for an organization for an individual uh, along the way. And so no matter how many years you've been doing something, no matter if you're an amateur or a professional, that fundamentals matter. You continually have to come back to the fundamentals. And we're talking about this January, fundamentals for following, fundamentals for following Jesus Christ. And we're, we're kind of basing that on uh, our, our discipleship pathway diagram. And just a reminder of that, it begins with, is sustained by, is fueled by grace. And that's why grace is in the center of that. It, it, it be, it's all by God's grace. Uh, that any potential for growth, any desire for growth, any transformation that comes through practicing some fundamentals comes by God's empowering, enabling grace along the way. And it's a grace that we uh, have operate in our life through faith. We receive it through faith. We celebrate it initially through the, the waters of baptism. And it is that grace that, that continues to, to feed our life and enable us to, to be the people that God designed and created us to be. And last week, Pat started us off so well, he did a great job talking about a first fundamental of gathering. And that we gather, like we have been doing, we gather together to worship, to, to, to worship our God together. Uh, but Pat particularly focused in on that calling to gather in groups, to gather in in groups, and as, as he put it, that it's, there is something catalytic that happens when we put ourselves in group environments, and whether that's a Sunday morning group uh, or, or a group that meets in a home or uh, a different day and time, uh, to be connected with people, in community with people, particularly when it's centered around the gospel, can be catalytic in our lives. And let me just encourage you out of that message, if you're not already connected to a group, whether that be a Sunday morning group or uh, Pat, I think, mentioned last week that uh, he's going to, he's and Jan, they're going to be uh, leading, facilitating a group on Sunday nights. Many folks serve on Sunday mornings, can't get in a Sunday morning group. Maybe you want to take advantage of that or maybe just stop by an information desk or a Next Steps area just to find out more about some of the groups that are available. But we gather in groups. Well, this morning, we're going to kind of move around the diagram there a little bit, and we're going to talk about the call to grow. And I'm going to encourage you to find uh, in your Bibles uh, Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, because I want us to, to dive in there just a little bit here in just a moment. But as you're finding that, we find the, the, the command, the encouragement, the challenge to grow uh, in so many places. But Peter, one of those first followers of Jesus Christ, put it very succinctly. But grow. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, 
Jesus Christ. This is not an optional, this is not an add-on, this is not like a deluxe edition, but this is to be a core for anyone that is a follower of Jesus Christ, that we are to, to grow. And the way we talk about it here, our language is, we are to, to grow more like Christ. We are to grow more like Christ. But that doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen automatically. There are things that we have to engage in by the empowering grace of God. And here we we talk about on our pathway, we talk about growing through personal time with God and through learning with others. Through personal time with God and through learning with others. Certainly that learning with others can happen in a group environment. One of the reasons we have disciple life classes, short-term studies uh, that are offered on a Sunday evening, sign-ups beginning uh, this morning, they'll kick off uh, in February, Uh, but we realize we can put ourselves in an environment to learn, particularly to focus in on a certain area maybe we want to kind of accelerate our growth in, and we can learn with others. And so I encourage you to maybe take advantage of some of those opportunities along the way. But what I want to focus on this morning as we talk about a fundamental is through personal time with God, through personal time with God. And this is is so foundational, so fundamental to our growth. Paul, when he was writing to his mentee, if you will, uh, Timothy, he put it this way, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths, rather train yourselves. An intentional choice of a word. Train yourself for godliness. The root of that word train has its, its roots in kind of athletics, gymnatize almost literally uh, yourself for godliness, that, that it's something that you train toward. An athlete knows that, you, you know, you just don't show up at the Olympic Games every four years after, after uh, uh, eating, eating and laying around on the couch and expect to win the gold medal, right? You train yourself toward that. I was in a conversation this week with uh, uh, a young man that had served uh, in, in our U.S. Army, and uh, he had spent time in Kosovo and spent time in Afghanistan, uh, and it was, it was an interesting conversation as we, and I thanked him for, for his service to our country, and we, we talked a little bit about uh, just some of the situations he had found himself in. And, uh, you know, he just mentioned unprompted, didn't know anything about what I was certainly going to be teaching on. Uh, but he said, you know, there have been those situations where uh, you're, you're riding along or all of a sudden something, something explodes or, or, or bullets start flying. And he said, at that moment, he said, you, you default to your training. You default to your training. That, uh, that, that training has prepared you for that moment. That you don't just respond maybe out of, out of human emotion or, or, or maybe what you want to, but, but you default to your training. And that's why that training is so, so vital. So in that crisis moment, you'll default to your training. And as I thought about that conversation and thinking about what I was going to be teaching on, I thought, uh, gosh, that's true in our lives, isn't it? When a crisis comes, we default to our training. Sometimes we fool ourselves and we think, well, when a crisis comes, I'll really be able to step up. Or when that big opportunity comes, man, I'll I'll be ready for it. But what we discover, the reality is, we default to our training. We default to our training. And Paul knew that. He knew that. And that's why he said, Timothy, train yourself. 
Don't expect you're going to respond in a godly way. Don't expect you're going to be a godly person just because you try hard in a moment. No, it is training yourself toward that. And Jesus, in his life, was, was certainly the embodiment uh, of some of these fundamentals we're talking about. Uh, Mark one thirty five tells us, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Now, that, that's a powerful verse in and of itself. There are four verbs in that verse. Rising, he, he, he got up, he, he, he d- d- departed, he, he went uh, to, to a place, departed, went. The fourth verb is he prayed. And so there's this, Mark is a very action-filled gospel, and this sentence is a very action with four verbs. These are things that Jesus did. But I think what makes it even more powerful is if you understand it in context. And that's what I want to take just a moment and look at. If you have that that copy of of the New Testament, Mark chapter 1, Jesus is beginning his ministry. He's called his first disciples. Verse 21, he goes into a place called Capernaum. And immediately, it's on the Sabbath, he goes into the synagogue and he's teaching. And many of you, you do presentations as a part of your, your work, and you know that, that when you're teaching, when you're presenting, when you're pouring out, that that can be draining. It can be draining physically, mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually, certainly, in, in this case. And they were astonished at his teaching. As he teaches them, there's a guy that shows up that has this unclean spirit who confronts him. And Jesus rebuked him in verse 25, saying, be silent and come out of him. And so he heals this guy, and everybody's amazed. They're amazed at his teaching. They're amazed at the power that's being displayed through this man. They start questioning, who is this guy? And word begins to spread. They didn't have, they didn't have a Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or any of those things, but nonetheless, I mean, boom, whatever the grapevine was, it started to spread. And so after that, he goes to Simon Peter's home. And, and, and I'm kind of reading this and I'm thinking, I wonder if, if Jesus was like I am sometimes, you know, you've been pouring out, you've been working, you've been doing all these things and you just want, you're looking forward to getting home and what you want when you get home is no crisis, <laughs> right? Anybody with me on that one? Yes, yes, right? Please, Lord, no crises at all, right? No decisions to make, no arguments to settle, no, I just don't, just quiet. So he walks into Simon Peter's house, and that's not what he gets. Upon entering, Simon's mother-in-law with a fever immediately, they tell him about her, and he comes, and once again he engages, and he takes her by the hand, and he lifts her up, and the fever left her, and she serves them some food, and as soon as the sun sets, people start showing up at the door. At sundown, they brought to him, in verse 32, all who were sick or oppressed by the demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. I, mean, I can't even get peace and quiet, right, for just a moment. I mean, the whole city, I don't know what the population was, but all of these people are coming, and many of them are coming with these needs and saying, help us, fix us, heal us, change us, right? And I don't know how long this went. It started after sundown, right? So, I mean, it was nighttime before it started. And then you come to verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, 
I don't know how much sleep he got. While it was still dark, he departed and went to a desolate place. And there he prayed. Now, here, here's, here's the challenge to me in this. If Jesus needed this, if God in the flesh needed time alone with the Father, how much more do I need it? If it was such a high priority for Jesus that even after a day of pouring out, of meeting needs, after this thing that went on into the night, he still thought it was of a higher priority than a few extra moments of sleep, that he was willing to get up before anybody else and find a place And see, it's very interesting because in the next verse we find, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. Does anybody feel like sometimes everybody is looking for you? <laughs> everybody wants a piece of you. And I'm looking at some of the moms here. I, I get to hang out for a few minutes Friday morning with the mops uh, group. And you know, I just think, think about some of those ladies. It's like every time they go to the bathroom, it seems like somebody's looking for you, right? <laughs> Everybody's looking for you. And they know where to find you. <laughs> we have that. We have that. In the midst of that busyness, in the midst of that demand, Jesus knew. He got in the flesh. He still knew. He needed to prioritize time alone with the Father. And that's the fundamental I want to talk about this morning. We're going to call it a devotional time. And for the sake of, of definition, this isn't the best definition, it's not the only definition, but it's a working definition for this morning. A devotional time is a daily time. I set aside to be alone with God to get to know Him through the Bible and prayer. Okay? I'm a simple guy. Simple definitions work for me. All right? A devotional time is a daily time. I set aside. I have to set it aside. I have to prioritize it. I have to protect it. I have to battle for it. I set a time to be alone with God. Yes, I want to gather with others. Yes, I'm going to serve. We'll talk about that. Yes, I want to share all of those things. But to be alone with God, to get to know Him through the Bible and prayer. And why is that important? Well, let me talk to you for a few moments about the purpose of a daily quiet time. And then I'm going to get really simple and really practical on how we can begin, how we can renew, how we can reinvigorate perhaps or restart a daily quiet time with God. But let's talk about the purpose. Uh, several purposes. One is just give devotion to God. To give devotion to God. Psalm 29 says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. We come to, to give devotion to God because God deserves our devotion, doesn't he? I mean, it is the, it is the glory due his name. Revelation says, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they existed and were 
created, that God deserves our devotion. He deserves our highest love. He deserves prioritization in our affections. Augustine, centuries ago, who, who came from a, a very much living a pagan lifestyle to, to become a follower of Jesus Christ, he, he talked about the, the, what we love is the most important thing about us. That what we love is the most important thing about us. And he talked about the challenge that many of us face of what he called, and it's interesting, Tim Keller and other folks have picked up on it in our day and age, disordered loves. Disordered loves. And that it's not wrong to love your family. God created the family. It's not, even, it's not wrong to love your work. Work was part of God's original creation design. It's not even wrong to, to love your ha- hobby or to be passionate about some of those things. But the problem comes when they get disordered. When we don't love first things first. Because when the loves get disordered, we get distorted. When the loves get disordered... I no longer can bring my best to all the loves of my life because I haven't been loving the best first and most. And so, yes, we'll have perhaps multiple loves, but the greatest love, the greatest devotion is to the one who created us, the one who redeemed us, the one who rescued us, the one who saved us, the one who loved us. He deserves our devotion. And here's the, here's the kicker. He also desires our devotion. He desires our, our, our devotion. He desires our love. He desires our focus. Jesus taught the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking. Think about that. Seeking such people to worship him. It's not because he needs his ego stroked. It's just he, he desired us. He created us for this relationship. He created us for this devotion one to another. You go back to the Genesis account and, and all of the creation, but unique among God's creation are men and women who have a unique capacity to relate to him, to love him, to be devoted to him. He desires our devotion. It's part of why he created us. He deserves our devotion. And when I build into the rhythm of my life a daily quiet time, and please, I don't want to put anybody, I'm not guilting anybody today. I'm not talking about something, you know, three hours. Martin Luther had to pray three hours. He was so busy. And some of you are thinking, I don't have three hours to do anything, right? But start. Start small and go deep, right? Just start small and go deep to give devotion to God. But not only to give devotion to God, uh, 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 but to get direction from God. Part of what happens in a devotional time is that I get direction from God. The psalmist prayed, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. And I don't know about you, but it seems like the decisions just that you're required to make uh, just keep flying at you, whether that's uh, on the job front or the home front or just in your personal life. The information seems to be overloading us all the time. And, and, and I just need God's help. I need direction from God. And so there are two things that I think can be helpful to be a part of our quiet time. And that is, first of all, to consider your way. To consider your way. 
Many of you know Proverbs 3. Sometimes you'll put 5 and 6 together. The 6th verse says, In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And part of what happens in a devotional time is God helps me to consider my way. Am I walking in his way? Am I walking in alignment with his, his word? Are, are there things that I'm doing? What's kind of going on inside me? What's driving uh, this behavior? What's driving this feeling? What's driving this decision along the way? And so as I spend time in his presence, he helps me to consider my way. But also, I can commit my day. Commit your day. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. And he will act. And so just on a very practical level, I can just come and, and here are all these things, God, I, I know, I know what's going to happen today so far. I mean, I know what's on my schedule. I know what's on my to-do list. Uh, I know these things, God. I want to commit these things to you. And, and by the way, uh, sometimes if you're trying to have a quiet time with the Lord, if you're trying to be alone with the Lord, uh, and sometimes you're sitting there and you're wanting to focus on the scripture, you're wanting to focus on prayer, and this random thought comes in, right? Oh, I forgot to do this. Oh, I've got to do this. Oh, Oh, I meant to email them. I meant to call them. I meant to send that. I meant to do that. And, and you just it seems like sometimes when we're slowing ourselves down, a lot of those things come rushing at us, right? And just a real, real practical tip, just as a, as a sidebar here, is just if some of those come, just just to have have a pen, have a paper, or, or maybe if you have a task manager or electronic one on your phone or something, just quickly go ahead and make note of that. Get it out of your mind. Get it on something else. But it's also an opportunity to pray. So if God brings that person to your mind, oh, I meant to return that email, then you can just right in that moment say, God, I just, just want to commit this to you. I just want to pray for them. I, I want to pray for this conversation. I want to pray for this appointment. I want to pray, Lord, that you would give favor to that. And so you commit your day. Now, now think about it. Think about it. We can get advice from a whole lot of people. But here is the King of kings and Lord of lords who knows you better than you know yourself, who is sovereign over everything that's happening in the world, who knows your past, the present, and the future, and he will direct your day. Why wouldn't I spend a few moments in his presence on a daily basis, right? To consider my way to commit your day. But there's a couple of other purposes for a quiet time, and that is to gain delight in God. To gain delight in God. The 37th Psalm says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. For some of us, when we think God, we don't think delight. When we think devotional time, we don't think delight. We think duty, right? Yet God... You don't want somebody spending time with you because it's their duty, right? You, you want to spend time with those people that you delight in one another's presence. And we have those people in our life. That they energize us. They encourage us. They stretch us. They challenge us. But is there something, there's a delight in being in their presence. And when I keep showing up before the Lord, even if it starts off with a sense of discipline, even if it starts off with a sense of duty, 
What I find is that 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 just bridges the gap. That's just a vehicle that God uses to begin to grow in me a delight so that I begin to delight in his presence and in his person. And so I gain delight in the Lord to give devotion to God, to get direction from God, to gain delight in God, but one other purpose, and that is to grow daily like God, that I, I will grow daily like God. Paul wrote to the Romans about the God who causes all things to work together for good, to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's verse 828. Uh, but in the very next verse, he tells us what that purpose is. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed. This is what God is doing. He is conforming me to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, there's a principle that all of us know. We know this in our own life. We certainly recognize this in the life of others, particularly our our children at times, and that is we become like those we spend time with, right? Have you noticed that? In fact, is there are folks that say that after a couple's been married for a, a long period of time, they even begin to look like each other a little bit? Be careful who you marry, right? <laughs> oh. But whether you actually physically look like them or not, we, we pick up stuff from each other, don't we? I mean, ways of doing things, expressions, inflections, taste, preferences, routines. We become like those we spend time with. In fact, is there some of those on the, the motivational speaking circuit that would, uh, would say, you know, tell me the five people that you spend the most time with and I'll tell you what your future is going to look like. <laughs> because of the power of those that we spend time with. You want to become more like Christ? You want to train yourself for godliness? Spend time with Him. <laughs> spend time with Him. And little by little, perhaps not even totally perceptible to you, over time, you grow. You grow to become more like Him because we do become like those we spend time with. You're saying, okay, Jeff, I I get it. I know. Maybe some of you are saying, listen, I've been in church. I know. I know. But how? I mean, I'm busy. There are so many demands. I feel like I'm never off the clock. How? How do I do this? Well, if you will bear with me, I'm going to get really, really simple. And I know for some of you, this is a reminder. For some of you, the challenge today is is maybe to, to rejuvenate a time with the Lord. Maybe for some of you it's to renew a practice that used to be a part of your life on a more regular basis. Maybe for some it's to begin again for the very first time. But I want to just get really simple and really practical on how to begin a daily quiet time. So let's just walk through this very quickly. And it's going to be simple, I'll promise you. The first simple step, select a specific time. Right? Select a specific time time. 
Because here's what I know in my own life, and I know it's probably true in yours as well. If you don't have a time committed for something, if you say, I will get around to it, when I have time, when I get in a less busy season of life, when this slows down, when, when never happens. And by the way, we do figure out a way to put certain things on our calendar and make them happen, don't we? We do. Things that are important to us, we figure out a way to get them on a calendar and make it happen. Sometimes life blows up. I get it for all of us. But we figure out a way. And so I'm just going to say to you, what is that time? What is that time? Okay? And at the end, I'm going I'm to really challenge you to get specific on this for yourself. Corey Ten Boom said, don't pray when you feel like it. Have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. A man is powerful on his knees. Now, for many, many folks throughout history, they have found that the best time to do that is the morning. Please don't hear me. This is not, uh, this is not a legalistic thing. Uh, this is, I think you have to find what works best for you, even what season of life you're in. But for many, many, many folks, they have found the morning is the best time because the further they get into the day, the more things start crashing, the more things start competing, the more things start shoving other things aside. And so a lot of folks have found first thing in the morning before all those other things. It's like Jesus said very early in the morning, right? Now, maybe you're in a season of life where uh, maybe you're a young mom and it's like, hey, when, when the kids are taking a nap uh, or, or, or maybe after everybody's in bed or whatever it might be. I'm not legalistic on this. What I'm just saying to you is in your season of life and your temperament, set a specific time. When is that going to be? Can you begin to put it down as an appointment that you want to honor just the way that you would honor an appointment with somebody else? Select a specific time, and then choose a special place. And I'm not, I'm not saying, well, dedicate a room to your house as the Holy of Holies and, you know, set up a church building in there or something. No, no, no. It, it may be as simple as this is the chair. <laughs> this chair in this corner in this room at this time. Or you may want to vary it a little bit. I, I, I know for me, sometimes when it's warmer outside in the morning, sometimes I'll, I'll go either on a screen in porch or even outside just to, just, just to be in a different environment. I'm a wimp. I don't go out there when it's 20 degrees. You know, I'm like inside with something warm to drink, right? But choose a place. What works for you? What room would that be? What chair would that be? What space would that be? Some have gone very elaborate. Some even have built a little kneeling thing and stuff. If that works for you, do it. But it's not required. Just find a special place. Choose a special place. And you can use that same space for a lot of other things, but that's the place I'm going to have a time alone with God. Choose a time, choose a place, and then gather the resources you'll need. Okay? Get a Bible. I encourage you to have a pen and paper. If you're going to read a quick devotion, maybe to kind of warm up your heart or something, gather that. 
if you'd rather record something on a keyboard, you use that, whatever. But gather resources. Here's what can happen to us, right? It's kind of like, I don't know about you, but it's like, I'm going I'm to work out today. Uh, but if I have to spend 15 minutes trying to find all my clothes and stuff, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> right? It's not going to happen, right? right. Yeah. Have that stuff. If you know where you're going to meet, have that stuff there. Have that stuff there so you don't have to spend 10 minutes looking for it. Why can't I ever find a pen that works in this house, right? You know, have it there ready to go. Gather the resources you'll need. And then begin with the right attitudes. And what are the right attitudes? Probably a bunch, but let me just suggest uh, three real quick. First of all, reverence. Reverence. Yes, through Christ Jesus, he's our heavenly father. Yes, Abraham was called a friend of God. But let us never forget whose presence we're coming into. Be still and know that I am God. This is not an equal relationship, right? That he is God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And so we come, and we come with a, a sense of reverence, a sense of awe. We come with a sense of, of gratitude, knowing that it is only by the shed blood of Jesus Christ that I have this opportunity and that I have this privilege. And so I come with a healthy awe a healthy respect, a healthy reference that I get. I get access to the ear of God Almighty. And with that reverence, I want to encourage you to come with expectancy. Expectancy. To, to expect that, hey, God, God desires this devotion. He delights in this. He, he wants to direct my day. He wants to, to shape my character so that I daily uh, grow like him. And so I come with this expectancy. And, and many folks have found it helpful to even just take the words of 100 Psalm 1918 to, to kind of set that expectancy as they open up the Bible. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Just a quick prayer just to say, God, I'm coming expecting today that the Spirit of God is going to take the Word of God and going to speak personally, specifically to this child of God. Is that not awesome? Is that not awesome? It's more awesome than some of your faces are looking right now. I got to tell you, all right? It is, it is, it is. And so I come, yes, with reverence, but I come with an expectancy and then a willingness to obey. A willingness to obey. God, whatever it is you speak to me about, an attitude or an action, a, a, a word or, or a direction, help me, Father, to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. Because if I just come away with a warm, fuzzy, devotional thought, I have deceived myself. It is so much more than that. So God... I come and just on the front end, I want to come with an attitude that says, you who love me more than I'll ever know, you who come to me with perfect love and perfect wisdom, I am setting my heart on the front end to obey. To the best of my ability, by your enabling grace, to obey whatever it is that you show me today. So that there's a willingness
to obey. So I begin with the right attitude. And then I'm just going to encourage you to follow a simple plan. And a simple plan is not meant to be legalistic, all right? It's not meant to say, yeah, if God may take you in a different direction that morning. What, what it means to say, if I follow a plan, if I kind of keep showing up and keep putting some of these things into practice, if I begin walking on this track day by day by day by day, it helps me to be in a position to hear best from God, for God to, to speak to me. He is infinitely creative, and He can certainly take me from this track and show me Show me something else along the way, but I begin with a simple plan because if I don't have a plan, I may just show up and get really, really random really, really quick, right? And a plan I have followed for a number of years, have suggested and taught to many others, some of you have heard me do this before, uh, is just SOAP, S-O-A-P. It's very simple. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. SOAP. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. And just like, just like I would say to somebody, uh, listen, a, a bath or a shower every Saturday night's not enough. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, a few moments on Sunday morning by itself isn't enough. I like to have a daily application of physical soap. <laughs> I encourage you to have a daily application of some spiritual soap. So what does that look like? In your, in your worship folder is a devotional form that may help, but it just begins with Scripture. And so you, you don't have to fill it out on this form, but it's just something you might want to keep in the front of your Bible or, or with your resources for a, a devotional time. Uh, but just, to, just very simply, you can do it on a blank sheet of paper. You can do it in a notebook. You can get a fancy journal. Or you can do it on a keyboard, whatever you want to do. But just uh, what, what is today's date? Okay? Today's date... What's the scripture I'm going to be restarting to read? Okay, Mark 1, verses 21 through 35, whatever it is. And then just observation. So as you read that, just begin to observe. And this this is not rocket science here, okay? Just start with the basic questions. Who, what, where, when, why, and how, right? Just observe. Sometimes, Sometimes we read something, and then like two minutes later, we couldn't hardly tell you what we read, right? But if you start asking questions, who's, who's here? Where is this? When did it happen? What's going on? Why? How? You begin to ask some of those questions. You begin to see things. You begin to observe things. Look for things that are repeated, emphasized, alike, unlike, true to life. And just, again, this is not, this is not scripture. This is just some things that might help you. If you've got something that's working better, by all means, keep using that, all right? But you just spend a few moments observing. You're not writing a commentary here, okay? Just keep it simple. Keep it simple. Just some of the things highlighted. And I don't know about you, but I've read through the Bible, I don't know how many times now in my life, but every time I read, there's things that's like, when did they put that in there? (laughs) And it's like, whoa, I don't think I've ever seen that before. And so you observe new things. And then the A is application application. This, this begins to move it from just being a hearer of the word to a doer of the word. And we have on the back of the form just some suggested questions. Again, if these help you, use them. But it may be just a tool that, that would be good. Is there a sin to confess, a promise to claim, an attitude to change, a command to obey, an example to follow, a prayer to pray, an error to avoid, a truth to believe, or something to praise or thank God for? And so I just come and I begin to look at those and say, hey, are these, how can I apply this in my life? 
Sometimes it's like, bang, it hits you between the eyes. You don't need to look at any questions. I mean, God has, has, has nailed you, right? Sometimes maybe some questions will help to draw out some of that application. And then the P is prayer. I just pray, and my first prayer is kind of a response. So it may be out of the application, my first prayer is a prayer of praise. There was something to praise God for. Or maybe it's a confession. Or maybe it's a, it's a commitment to obey. Or maybe it's just, God, thank you for this promise. And Lord, I just want, I just want, to, I just want to claim this anew and afresh today. But, but pray, and you can move on to other praying. But I, I usually find it helpful to pray just as a response to what God was showing me in his word in those moments. All right? So scripture, observation, application, prayer. All right? Follow a simple plan. Specific time, specific place. Gather the resources you'll need. Begin with the right attitudes and follow a simple plan. And as we begin to just start there, begin to see what God might do. John Maxwell, who's uh, taught on leadership and so many other things through the years, talks about uh, changing in our life. And and I, I, I so appreciate this quote. He said, you'll never change your life until you change something you do daily. The secret of your success is found in your daily routine. Some of us are waiting for that magical moment. We're waiting for that big event. We're waiting for that one thing that is just going to drop down and change everything. That rarely happens in almost any area of our life, right? I mean, by and large, people that do well financially didn't get there by winning the lottery. (laughs) They got there by daily living out some basic fundamental practices and doing it day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. And in much the same way, men and women who see growth in their life spiritually, who become more like Christ progressively, usually don't do that just because they attended one service or one meeting, and those things can be powerful and catalytic for sure. But it's usually because they showed up day after day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, in the presence of God. And God slowly but surely began to change their life. Let me issue one other encouragement and then a challenge as we close. Many of you know Coach Tony Dungy, uh, professional, collegiate, professional uh, NFL player, uh, perhaps best known as an NFL coach with Tampa Bay and won a Super Bowl with Indianapolis. Now he's a a commentator on on TV around football. He's obviously a person that knows football, but is a man of faith and a man of family. And he's uh, been one of those that have helped come alongside and form all pro dads and really uh, challenging, particularly dads, uh, to, to invest. Uh, And I read something from Tony the other day. It was just, it was just like, that's it. He said, you know, a lot of times, dads, he said, we, we're, we're passionate and intentional about 
teaching our sons and daughters the fundamentals of how to catch a ball, how to throw a ball, how to kick a ball, how to hit a ball, how to shoot a ball. And those are good things. Listen, he is not anti-sports. Like, I mean, sports has been such a huge part of his life, right? But he's saying, are we just as intentional with pouring into them the fundamentals of the faith? Are we just as intentional and purposeful about modeling for them and showing them the fundamentals of walking with God. Now we talk around here about a partnership of church and home. We think that's how it functions best. And while there are some great things that are happening on a preschool hall, a children's hall, a student hall, we know that what happens in the home is by far more opportunity and can be more powerful. And you have the opportunity to instill in your own life. And for some of you, you're still in the season of children. For some of you, maybe it's grandchildren. Of instilling into them intentionally some of the fundamental practices. Some of the fundamental habits of walking with God. And so I'm just going to give a 30-day challenge. And I'm going to just encourage you to take it. (laughs) And for some of you, you say, hey, I'm, I'm doing this, then just commit, recommit, say, I'm going to reaffirm this. Maybe you've done this in the past, but it's gotten a little sporadic, and you just say, I need to, to, I'm going to refocus on this. Maybe it's something to begin for the very first time. Maybe you're saying, oh, Jeff, I tried that, and I keep stumbling along the way. Start again, start again, right? Here's the challenge. By God's grace, out of a desire to know him more intimately, love him more passionately, and obey him more completely. I purpose to spend some time alone with the Lord and his word and prayer every day for the next 30 days. That's it. By God's grace, because grace is in the center, remember. Because I want to know him, I want to love him, I want to obey him, I purpose by God's enabling grace, to spend time alone with the Lord. Start small, go deep. Spend time alone with the Lord in His Word and prayer every day for the next 30 days. And I'm just going to ask you, this, we're not taking these up, this is between you and the Lord. But if you say, God, if you would help me to do that, in just a moment as we pray, I'm going to have you sign that. Because I know, I know it can be so powerful in your life as you give devoted time on a daily basis to the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you desire time with us, that you delight in spending time with us, that you have made it possible every single day for us to spend time with you. You have placed us in a time in history where we have such easy access to your word in a language in which we understand. We have resources that generations before us could have never even dreamed about. And so, Father, right here, right now, by your enabling grace, we just commit ourselves to spend time 
And Lord, you don't mind if we start small. Spend time in your word and in prayer every day for the next 30 days. And if you'll make that commitment before the Lord right now, just this is just between you and the Lord. I'm just going to ask you to take that note-taking guide and just sign that right there. Again, this is between you and the Lord.